0: Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards
2: Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: On the Bechdel Cast, the questions asked: If movies have women in them, are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel Cast.
4: Hello, welcome to the Cast. My name's Jamie Loftus. And my name's Caitlin Durante. And this is our podcast about the representation of women in movies you've seen before. Or maybe you haven't.
5: Yeah. Jamie, how do you feel the representation of women in mainstream American cinema is? I'll
4: tell you what, pretty bad. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> Don't care for it. You usually feel uh, it's like a bit of a slap in the face. For sure. And that uh-huh. conversation
5: just passed the Bechtel test. Which uh-huh. is the test that we use as just a jumping off point to initiate a larger conversation about the representation of women in movies. Mm-hmm. The Bechtel test for us requires that a movie has two female identifying characters in it. They have to have names. Ugh. already. <sighs> why Jeez. bother? Those characters have to speak to each other. If that happens <laughs> I'm leaving the theater. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to watch women talk, right? And their conversation has to be about anything besides men. So what are they talking about food? There's nothing Cheese? else to talk about,
4: right? Yeah. So uh, here, here, let's let's bait test the test really quick. I'd love to. Hey, Caitlin. Hey, <laughs> hey Jamie. You play any sports? I do play soccer. Well, I played soccer when I was four, but then I got kicked off of a youth team, which isn't supposed to be allowed to happen to four-year-olds. Right. But I... What did you do to get kicked off the team? Quote, refused to participate, unquote. I see. And quote, picked flowers and quote, <laughs> threw them at the opposing team, which I would argue was probably helpful to my team and they should have let me stay. I think but that <laughs> is... Poor part.
5: maybe some poor sportsmanship
4: yeah oh you said man so it doesn't count well we'll do better (laughs) next time sorry we're just dumb women (laughs) Uh, all right shall we introduce our guest (laughs) yes please she's a comedian and she's
5: a writer for the jim Jeffries show suba agarwal hey hey welcome (laughs) thanks for having me thanks for being here so we're talking about bend it like beckham Tell us about your history with this movie, your relationship to it. When did you first
3: see it? I uh, oh, I think I I was young. Mm. I don't remember exactly when, but um it was Very relatable. I loved it. It was like I think it was the first, because like when I was little, the only other brown girl I really saw was like, well, of course there's Bollywood films, but I had no idea what the hell was going on there. (laughs) And then there was Princess Jasmine, and when I was super little, I thought I was a princess because I saw Jasmine, and my Mm -hmm. dad would call me princess. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. all of our white school teachers called my house and were like, "Is your daughter really a princess?" And my dad was like, "No." (laughs) Soup's <laughs> just <Supes> embarrassing <laughs> that's adorable though that's great he could have just leaned out? into yeah. it like, yeah. he just doesn't want people to know um <laughs> that's great. they're trying to murder me because i'm gonna inherit the throne no um i think we were merchants was our cast i don't know but like <laughs> So yeah, I saw Bennett like Beckham. I absolutely adored it because it kind of became my life story with the whole entire double life thing mm. with me in stand up. Yeah, it's like um, my parents took me to my first ever open mic, and then they forbade me from doing comedy. And then I would oh. sneak out and say I was going to parties and like go out and do shows and stuff. So it was very Bennett like Beckham. They
4: were cool with parties, but not. Well, with you stand-up. have to understand who my friends were oh okay okay i
3: was such a loser this is completely true i got into comedy because i thought it would teach me how to talk to people oh <laughs> I'm a monster. it worked no just <laughs> even weirder just wrong direction
4: <laughs> yeah i think i've gotten way socially worse
3: since i started doing stand-up hey now i talk but everything i say is inappropriate perfect mm. <laughs> yeah but, um i mean it's more complicated than that but so, my friends, this is true, I was so awkward and so nerdy that the people who took me into their friend circle was this Korean church youth group mm. at my school, Yeah, because <laughs> they saw me, and it was like adopting a stray they dog. Adopted and they adopted you? Like, yeah, they took me into their group, and they, like, let me come to their, like, youth group Friday, so it's like, yeah, we would go real crazy, we would do karaoke and, like, go to a hay patch. You were their
4: project. <laughs> <laughs> you were their project. So that, those were the sweet. parties
5: that you told your parents you were going to, and instead you were going out okay. and doing Stand, stand up, up. okay, mm-hmm.
4: wow, that is <laughs> really bend it like that. Yeah. Except, I think I like that better.
2: Than the <laughs> movie.
4: Well, Jamie, when did you first see the movie? I'm pretty sure I first saw this movie. I definitely didn't see it when it first came out, I would have been too young to see it, but I saw it at some point in high school. Um, I think that a bunch of my friends and I watched it. And it would have probably been because we knew by that point who Kieran Knightley was, mm-hmm. and so we were like, "Oh, Kieran Knightley's in this movie. We'll watch it." And yeah, I really liked it. I've seen it a couple times over the years, and it's always been just like, I don't know. I was I was a little bit worried as I always am anytime we rewatch a movie with this like lens. I was a little bit worried going into it because I didn't remember all the details quite and usually when that happens it means that i'm about to not love the movie anymore it's gonna make me very upset yeah but uh this movie held up for me i thought i i really it's it just warms my heart to be like it. (laughs) The movie still bangs. It's great. Right. It's it's very rare that we revisit a movie after
5: having been doing this podcast for a while and are able to still enjoy a movie.
4: <laughs> so. Yeah. Without without like that weird feeling of like but asterisk asterisk you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
5: so it came out in 2002 i think i saw it shortly after it came out i would have been in high school at the time and i was really at the top of my soccer career in that moment i was a captain of my soccer team brag i was i know i I was a left forward i was scoring goals all the time (laughs) What what does left forward mean is that just i played an offensive
4: position so like (laughs) upstage but <laughs> it didn't drama they're closer but to the half drama line I would oh, okay okay so like I would st- enter the field stage
5: left uh <laughs> field, field left and mm-hmm. um hit and your then mark I would hit my mark and yeah so I'm a huge soccer fan and so I kind of just automatically liked this movie because it was about women playing soccer mm-hmm. it was around a time in my life where I was like really gung-ho about soccer and I you could argue that I still am because uh, right after this I'm going to play soccer in Pasadena so oh, um, yeah yeah
3: yeah
5: <laughs> Yeah, so um, I really enjoyed this movie at the time and then would watch it here and there. I haven't seen it that many times.
3: I loved soccer, too. I wanted Did to you be, play? I tried. Uh-huh. <laughs> really? <laughs> I wanted to be a professional soccer player, but my health and my genetics got in the way. I was like, so sorry. Did you think you were going to do soccer? You are going to do math. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> You're
4: physically suited to math.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Your bones are shaped for this wheel wheel, and desk, That's (laughs) That's what your bones are shaped for. (laughs) I mean make no mistake I'm
5: not good at soccer <laughs> I've been playing for uh, over 25 years so I should be much better than I am and I'm literally still very bad at well, it
3: my problem was I was fat when I was little and then when you're fat and they don't know what they're doing they just make you the goalie they're like well she doesn't move and I would get so mad that they would put me in goalie because yeah. I knew it's like I'm like this is because I'm fat and then like I stopped I refused to play goalie and I started playing these positions but by the time like my school was very competitive so it was like mm. really hard to get on the team yeah and i started working out and i jogged and i lost all this weight and like i ended up like for soccer for soccer like well for soccer and i was also tired of you know not being fuckable in the 90s like now it's better but (laughs) 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 now i'm sure there'd be a dude who's like yeah you don't have to look like that i'm totally into you but you know back then nope But Yeah, I mean, when you're, yeah,
4: teen in the 90s, it's, yeah.
3: No, it's a, so, yeah, I lost all this weight. I started jogging. I started working out and training really hard, and I could not catch up. I still Mm. couldn't make it, but I was like, well, I guess at least I'm not going to die of a heart attack at 30, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just be healthy and do math and hate my life.
4: I was told I was once perfectly physically built to play the oboe.
3: (laughs) Because I, like, when I
4: had a back brace, I went to my oboe instructor and I thought he was going to tell me to quit because I'm like, I have to wear a back brace all the time. How am I supposed to? And he was like, you don't understand what a blessing this is. And That's so funny. He said so that funny. the way I was leaning, like, my crooked spine was leaning on my lung in such a way that was very advantageous to oboe playing. <laughs> so... Not to brag,
5: but it was a gift. So we've got an athlete, a musician, and a mathematician. Mm-hmm. We are basically... The three
4: most fuckable people in the entire <laughs> world. Yeah.
5: Um, so I'll do the recap. Recap it up, baby. Okay, so Bend It Like Beckham. The movie focuses on a character named Jess Bamra. She is a young woman living in England with her family and her parents are immigrants. They're Indian and they're this very traditional family and they do not like that Jess plays soccer and loves soccer and loves David Beckham. And then we meet Jules, that's Kieran Knightley's character. Her mother's all like, try on these sexy bras. And she's like, I'd rather her mom is
4: fully like calling the
5: manager. <laughs> white lady mom yeah yeah uh-huh, right and jules sees jess playing soccer in the park and she's like wow she's really good and she goes up to her and jules is like hey you should like try out for this women's league that i'm on and jess is like am i good enough for this and she's like yeah so <laughs> <She's> like, "Yes, <laughs> yes <Queen>. <laughs> 2002,
4: <laughs> really forward thinking
5: <laughs> so jess goes and tries out and she makes the team her coach is named Joe, and he's played by Jonathan rhys Myers and he thinks that she's got a lot of potential. But her parents don't want her to play anymore. And like her sister's gearing up to get married and they're all like stressed out because of that. So um... her
4: sister's played by Archie Punjabi, who is my favorite character on The Good Wife. Oh, a show that I have seen every episode of and remember could tell you zero things that happened in the entire show. <laughs> it was like 150 episodes. I have no idea. I have no idea. I love Archie Punjabi, yeah. I love Alan Cumming. Mm. That's all I know about the show. Who was even the lead in that show? Probably a, a wife that's good. Juliana Margulies, trick question. Oh, I, I see. Knew. Okay. Good job. Anyways. <laughs> oh, wait. Quick, really quick Alfred Molina mentioned. Oh, please. Chris Noth, aka Mr. Big, plays the husband in The Good Wife. And Chris Noth, as we all know, is the poor man's Alfred Molina. I said it. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Sorry. Continue.
5: <laughs> I'm glad we got that out there. <laughs> So Jess has to lie to her parents and like tell them that she's got a job so that she can start playing on this women's league, uh, women's side. I don't know club club soccer. Right. They're British and they <laughs> use words that I don't under- understand. And then Jules and Jess develop a close friendship, and then they're both interested in their coach, Joe. And but um, they don't tell each
4: other for a long time. Right. They play it cool, or like...
5: they like they're only like kind of hinting about <laughs> it,
4: but. So, like there's a million times where keira knightley is like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i don't know whatever <laughs> and and jess is like okay you know jess plays it way cooler than keira knightley Kira knightley's spazzing out oh sure anyways yeah
3: <laughs> i've never played it cool not
4: once <laughs> it's really Imagine hard being
3: chill for even <laughs> a second
5: oh i can't relate so, different things happen. Like, there's a moment where, like, Jess and Jules are, like, kind of laughing and hugging, and, like, a family friend drives by, and they think that Jess is kissing someone. So, like, they tell her family, and then the wedding gets called off because that's very frowned upon in the community. Jess has to, like, sneak off to Germany to play a game, and she has her, like, sister cover for her. But, like, all this stuff gets revealed that she has been playing, and her parents, like, forbid her from continuing to play. But then she just keeps at it. She keeps lying. Uh,
4: (laughs) She's committed to lying.
5: She and Joe almost kiss for a moment. And then, like, Jess walks in on them. And then that creates some tension between them. Finally, her parents, I think they find out about the Germany trip. And they, like, forbid her from ever playing soccer
4: again. It gets kind of convoluted because that happens a bunch of different times where it's, like, I think that the big plot points go, like, they think she's gay, they catch her playing soccer. They think she's gay, they catch her playing soccer. (laughs) They think she's gay, they let her play soccer, Mm -hmm. the movie's over. But it is kind of, like, the same two conflicts that keep sort of manifesting in different ways.
5: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So by the end, there is this, like, big tournament game that there's, like, an American scout going to be at who has his eye on both Jess and Jules. But that's the same day of Jess's sister's wedding, which Uh, gets
4: Also, Jess and Jules are fighting. They're fighting over this man. And we'll get there because I'm like, should he be dating any of these girls? (laughs) Doesn't seem like he should. Right. But the movie does not acknowledge that. <laughs> what the characters do—they keep of saying, does, "Yeah, yeah, like he's off limits."
5: But then they go for it anyway. But then
4: he's like, "JK, I'm not." Like there, the reasons I thought he was off limits and the reasons they thought he was off limits were different reasons. I thought it was an age thing, but he's just like, "Oh no, I'm your coach." Yeah. Oh right, because they're Sounds
5: they're like- meant to be in their late. Teens, like about to go to uni. They're
4: on like some, yeah. They're like it's like summer
5: break. Well, he
3: looks young too. It's not that crazy. Like I hope so.
4: <laughs> he could
5: also be like twenty four though, so. and they're like eighteen. I don't know. I guess.
4: I mean, I don't. I don't think laws are being broken. <laughs> right. It's just a little weird. <laughs> sure. Slightly sus. Um. Yeah. We'll we'll get into that. that sus meter went off. When <laughs> that went. I was like I don't know if you beep, should be dating
5: beep, him. <laughs> So the the final kind of big moment in the story is that she's at her sister's wedding and has decided, well, you know, I can't play soccer anymore because my parents forbid it. But then her dad finally gives her his blessing because he had seen her play in a game and like recognizes her talent. So he's like, go off. And if this is going to make you happy, go do it. So she leaves the wedding. Goes and plays like the second half of this soccer game, scores the winning goal. The scout sees her and he's like, wow, great. Let's send you off to America. You know, the country that loves soccer and that there are so many opportunities for soccer players at.
3: Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. (laughs) It was funny. There's
5: so many times in this movie where these characters in the UK are like, we can't play soccer here. (laughs) We have to go to America in order to... Like make a living at soccer, and it's like, is that's that so... that might have been true? But also like, the U.S. like hates
3: soccer and women athletes and yeah. athletes.
4: Right? Yeah, seems like a real blanket lose. Maybe that's the movie being like, we want to get international distribution. Maybe if we just compliment America a bunch that's of times. <laughs> they'll be like, okay, we'll show it. and that must have worked because we've seen it yeah and this movie was financially huge success uh, six million dollar budget seventy seven million dollar box office. box office wow. so they I'm, got them.
3: I'm so jealous of that one part of the movie because our stories are pretty similar with the whole like double life lying blah 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 it ruining whatever and then like, the port where her dad's like, I saw her and she's so talented. Like, I never got that moment. My mom has never been like, your dick joke was so well-crafted <laughs> that I can't hold you back from the world. It was more of, I'm not going to stop doing this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they have come to accept it, but they're yes. not necessarily. Oh, they are not on board. She tries, bless her heart to Aww. this day
4: yeah she <laughs> oh does my God. she
3: even tries um because she won't see i won't let her into a show i, I mean if she does maybe one day but she, i need a heads up and it's gonna be a whole different set and it's gonna be super annoying um <laughs> but like she tries to watch stuff online or like she try to watch the jim jeffrey show which oh. is very like news-based and she's yeah. like i didn't like current events and the she <laughs> she was like I tried to watch it while I was folding my laundry so I tried I'm like alright thanks mom <laughs> thank you mom. every time she tries it's just way worse like yeah. she tried to watch me I got- had like a small non-speaking role on a friend's show and she's like why did you look fat and nervous? And I was like, oh, what the oh, f-? No. I was like, ma, I was not, I could not look nervous. I didn't have any lines. And what do you mean fat? She's like, she just was like, I meant you're skinnier in real life. And I'm like, what the fuck,
4: lady? Oh, I love it. Very like...
3: Your mom sounds like a very chill woman. <laughs> she just has no feel. I mean, I adore yeah. it. I think it's really funny because yeah. she hasn't, no filter. It's like, and it like taught me to be like, I'm still very. I mean, I would like to be less sensitive, mm-hmm. but it what little insensitivity I have to be like, eh, screw it mm-hmm. is like because my mom has just been talking shit the entire time. I'm like, <laughs> oh, some weird egg on Twitter wants to call me a whore. I'm like, well, get in line after my mom. Like,
4: it's right. right. Yeah, <laughs> my mom's the ultimate egg. <laughs> she will come at you. <laughs> uh, my mom. Does your mom ever make comments on like your job? No, she's been surprisingly supportive
5: from the get-go. She Laura did question whether or not I'd be able to ever make a living at it. And when I did decide to go to grad school to get a master's degree in screenwriting from Boston University, I hate to bring it up. I don't know if, if anyone knows this about me because I, I would never mention it. But my mom, she was like, yeah, I don't know if that's a good idea, Caitlin. Um, you already don't use your first film degree, so, like, what are you thinking? And I was like, no, this is really going to work out. And look at me now. We've got a movie podcast. <laughs> oh, I was like, wait, I'm trying to draw
4: that. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My mom just sometimes will, like, look at something I did or, like, not even the full thing, like an image of it. Mm-hmm. And she'll be like, I just, it's just disgusting <laughs> oh okay your issue with it is that it's disgusting oh to God. you <laughs> and she's like it's good and i'm glad people but i find it disgusting are like so funny. cool cool
5: <gasps> gotta love our moms
4: I love, I love an unfiltered mom. Yeah. <laughs>
5: um, okay, so the very end of the story is, uh, so she leaves the wedding to go play soccer. Uh, she gets recognized as being a very talented player. Goes off to the U.S. to play soccer in this, you know, wonderful haven that is this country that loves the sport of soccer <laughs> and loves female athletes. But not before a weird last-minute airport kiss. <laughs> There's an airport kiss, and <sighs> her parents like finally. She like gives this speech, and then her dad kind of is like yeah like we should let her be happy and do what she wants and then she's like yeah I want to this is like what's gonna make me happy so please let me make this choice and her family comes around and then like she and and Jules make up and they go off to play soccer together uh, but not before there's a hetero kiss and Mm -hmm. then that's pretty much the end of the movie let's uh take a quick break and then we will be right back
0: Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math and Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar.
0: It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson.
1: In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of math and magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: And we're back. Sorry, I had to go score
4: some goals. Goal! Soccer. Yeah. <laughs> you can only get one point in soccer, right? At a time? At a time. Yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> I didn't mean total.
3: <laughs> yeah.
4: One goal it's equals like one point. Quidditch, right?
3: <laughs>
5: there is a quaffle, there is a snitch, there are some bludgers, and
4: yeah. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I don't want to like go right to the end, but the logic of the airport kiss scene, it's so clearly like to that I'm just like, "Oh, they got a note. Like they got a note that <laughs> they're like we got to we got to see a, a a kiss by the end of the movie." But the logic of that scene is so weird because I feel like based on everything we know about Justice family in this entire movie, they would not be like, "Oh yeah, definitely make out with this guy at the airport." But the guy enters behind the family, and we're to believe the family just doesn't turn around. Right. Because this whole scene takes place behind (laughs) both families, Jess's family and Jules's family, and in front of Jules, where, you know, she and Jess made up, but the reason they were fighting was this guy, and I'm like, it's pretty, like... I was like, Jess, that's a move to just be like, remember this guy who didn't want to fuck you, feel <laughs> like. I was like that, and then and then I don't know. I was just like, the logic of that scene was wild. It feels
5: very <laughs> tacked like, think, on, and like it wasn't given that much thought. Yeah.
4: Yeah, where they're just like, oh well, just uh, everyone who isn't directly involved in the kiss, avert your eyes, as if this is something that would happen. It's <laughs> <They're, laughs> right. very weird. Uh, so the first thing I just
5: want to mention about this movie is that it is a movie about an Indian woman directed by an Indian woman. Woo-hoo! Get out. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh huh. Her name and I, I'm afraid I'm gonna mispronounce it, but it's um, Gurinder Chadha. She also co-wrote it with another Indian woman and her husband. I don't know if they were married at the time, but yeah. So it's those people involved. It's also several of the producers are Indian and um, like the cinematographer is an Asian man. So it's like, yeah, we so rarely come across this because Oftentimes, if there's a movie that does tell the story of a person who is marginalized, Scarlett it's Scarlett
3: Johansson plays the lead. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson
5: plays the lead, and it was directed and produced and written by exclusively straight cis white men.
4: And the best friend is played by Emma Stone, another right. <laughs> person who just simply doesn't know. Exactly. I think that has a lot, the fact that this movie holds up
5: well, and that's not to say that this movie is perfect, that it doesn't mishandle some things here and there, uh, which we'll get into, but I think the fact that it holds up as well as it does and handles the issues that this movie brings up because it was made by someone who shares the experience of the character. So Ooh. um
4: she directed a lot of films I I like. Uh I just said films, like I'm fucking <laughs> a, a genius. Okay. She's directed *Benedict* like Beckham, Bride and Prejudice. And Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging, oh, which is a book series and a movie I really liked. Yeah, well, we talked about it on the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants episode, if you recall. Snogging.
5: (laughs) Snogging. Um, So there you go. So just keep that in mind. Because this is a movie that, like, explores a lot of different things in terms of, like, a woman of color coming from a family of immigrants, having to deal with racism, having to deal with sexism because she's existing mostly in like a straight male white space. There's different things where she's self-conscious about her body and different things where her family you know has a very specific idea of what she should and should not be doing a very specific idea of who she should and should not be romantically involved with so she's dealing with all of these things and she you know finds herself at the intersection of being a woman being a person of color being a female athlete and just the idea of like femininity and masculinity and like how people perceive that to relate to sexual identity and like different things like that so this movie like tackles a lot of really interesting things
4: but it's so funny and, and it's funny so, like and yeah just, when you i was like whoa it really does tackle all that stuff but it's so fun to watch it doesn't feel i don't know for me it doesn't no beat point, you over
3: the head with it yeah it's you not you just like kind of limited it.
4: yeah it's cool and and also just oh god it watching Jess have to deal with so many things it's when you're just like she's a good kid. Mm-hmm. She's a good kid. She's yeah. just trying to pursue an extracurricular to save <laughs> her alone, right?
5: So yeah, her sort of history is that she has played soccer in a park mostly with men. I think all of them are Indian men. If I'm not, I'm mistaken. pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. They have, like, a friendly rapport, but they also, like, will make sexist comments to her a lot where, you know, they talk about, like, her hitting the ball, like, the soccer ball with her chest and, like, how, like, how can you do that when you've got (laughs) And then, like, later. Yes, uh... but
3: you do it anyway. (laughs)
5: Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because women have a higher threshold for pain. (laughs) later in the story it's revealed that she has like a burn scar on her leg which she is ashamed about and we realize that probably one of the reasons she's ashamed about this is because her mother makes her feel shame about it because she's like like how can you be showing your legs in front of all these men like you should cover that up and then like the guys who she plays soccer with they're like oh my god that's disgusting like oh god and every time she's confronted with anything like that like any sort of sexism she challenges it which is a really nice thing to see because usually in movies a character will say a really horribly sexist thing and no one's even aware that it was sexist so the characters (laughs) just barrel through and it goes unchallenged
4: yeah at the beginning watching Jess play soccer with the guys and like they were giving her a lot of Shit, but it felt like so much in this movie feels so like realistic in ways that teen movies rarely do. Where they're being sexist toward her, but you can all you can also because I'm sure like we've all had this experience. You can also understand why she stays because they're awful to her, but they also know she's a good player. Mm-hmm. There's where else is she gonna go? Like there's there's all these like dynamics at play where I don't even think that Jess like dislikes those guys but it's like if she wants to play at the beginning of the movie that's the only way she knows how and so she challenges it and then compartmentalizes it sort of on and off in a way that felt i don't know like reminded me of being a teenager in yeah. uh, any male-dominated teen space yeah. yeah you're just like okay this is the battle i'm gonna push back on and this is the one where i'm just gonna pretend i didn't hear anything hmm right well, because c- she doesn't
5: have any other options to play until she gets sort of recruited to be on this team, which, like, yeah. Kira Knightley's character says, like, oh, they finally let us, like, form a woman's
4: side. And it sounds like Keira Knightley, I think Jules, I think, says, or maybe Joe says this, that it was like Jules was the one who was really, really pushing for yeah. him. because yeah. he was
3: playing for the men's club and she was hanging around.
4: Right. And so she just, I like to imagine her like lingering around and then waiting for one of the men to get injured and be like, you're our coach now.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he couldn't
4: play anymore, so he had to coach. And mm-hmm. I think she just like scooped him up and was (laughs) like you are my coach
3: now thank you this is your new job she just purposely tanya harding's one of them i'm so sorry (laughs) your knees are gone better coach me and a bunch of other ladies
4: (laughs) there's a bright side I love that fan theory. Maybe that's why he doesn't want to date her. <laughs> yes. He's like, oh, You yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> hired
5: someone to bash my knee in
3: <laughs> And you she's like it was never me. proven. It was never proven.
4: Kira Knightley like, galoolied him. She <laughs> <laughs> straight up galoolied him. <gasps>
5: there is a character among the men that she plays with in the park named Tony who is a close friend of hers feminist icon, queer icon because later in the movie Mm -hmm. he comes out to her. I forgot Mm -hmm. about that. So did I. Yeah. Yeah, so basically anytime she's confronted with any sort of misogyny or racism. Like there's a moment toward the end when they're playing a game and one of the players on the opposing team calls her like a slur for Pakistani people. Mm -hmm. And then she like, she sort of pushes and kind of comes at the player who did this and then she gets a red card. And then her coach Joe like yells at her for doing that. And she's like, you don't understand like this person like called me a slur and she's like, well, you wouldn't get it. And he's like, (laughs) I'm Irish, oh so my God, yeah, is. I get it. <laughs> and then that goes unchallenged and I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sure Irish people in England do experience some sort of prejudice,
4: but... <laughs> it seemed kind of okay. apples and oranges. <laughs> yeah, like, for sure. Okay. <sighs> uh, that, that was like one of the few moments of the movie where I was like, I didn't like how that, the, the, just the way it played out felt weird and not... Not quite lining up with like what it seems like the characters would, especially the Joe character, because it, like, it makes sense that Jess got angry mm-hmm. when that happened. and But it didn't make sense to me that if he knew that, that he would yell at her because that's not really, it didn't seem like the kind of person he was. And then even after she explained it, he was kind of just like,
3: oh, I'm Irish. We've got to That seems up. like something a white dude would do to me. Oh, like, for you sure. Know what I, mean? and I was like, I could see that happening. Absolutely.
5: I-, I think it just came as a surprise to me that like she so. didn't say, like, no, like, yeah. it's not the same. Like, you're right. still a white man.
4: Yeah. It- I guess when it's like when he said that, I think that it was like, and now that issue is resolved. It yeah. Like, I did- it doesn't seem like they really <laughs> talked about it. <laughs> no. I don't know. But
5: um, anyway, so my point is, I really enjoyed seeing any time she experienced, you know, for the most part, racism, sexism, etc., she challenges it. And it's just a a really cool thing to see in a movie. I also wanted to talk about the idea of like femininity and how that's an expectation of like, especially for Jules.
3: That was interesting for me because that was the one part was not my background at all. Mm. It was to an extent where it's like Cause the thing was, my dad wanted a boy, and so my uh. mom was like, "Oh, just treat her like a little dude." It's the same shit. So like, I grew up a tomboy for that reason. Cause I would watch sports with my dad. I would watch wrestling. I was super aggressive. My brother had my mom's personality, where he was very patient and calm, and mm-hmm. I was just a lunatic. From, like <laughs> Just came out of the womb an insane person, <laughs> smashing bottles. But like, it was so. It was like me and my dad got along, but as soon as I got close to puberty, my parents tried. Obviously, they failed. But they were like, "You can't talk to men." outside the classroom you can only talk to them in like an educational setting and about school obviously i lied straight to their face right away but like it was just it it was like this weird thing where like i used to like wear baggy overalls like and then on top of it i would wear a sports jersey like that was my mo Mm -hmm. and then it wasn't until like i guess my hormones started kicking in (laughs) and i wanted attention from men that i was like Mm -hmm. ah shit i can't dress like you anymore and then i started like right reading uh, like Teen Vogue and like trying to do the face mm. makeup that they told you to do and it was just god awful. They were wrong. Oh yeah. yeah. They told Teen Vogue you to do weird cool
4: things. Days, your though. face,
3: it didn't, <laughs> it didn't make sense. God, I
4: used to, I still have like just like all these memories of like a specific issue of Teen Vogue where it like would tell you what shape your body was <laughs> and it was like three of like the same shape and then it was like Garbage, like a pile of garbage at the end. You're like, oh, okay, well, that's me, there I am. Feeling seen. But hey, you play
5: the oboe so well.
4: (laughs) It's true. I should have asked my oboe instructor for body image advice. He's like, no, you and your crushed lung are dope. (laughs) Great.
3: Um, A curvy spine? What you need is an A-line skirt. That is (laughs) fine. Exactly. (laughs) But no, so
5: in like in the first scene that we meet Jules in, like her mother is taking her bra shopping and she keeps saying like, oh, these bras will, you know, boost your cleavage and like and then Jules has no interest in presenting as feminine or like, you know, wearing quote unquote girly things or like lacy bras or anything like that. So she goes over to the the sports bra section and this sort of sets up an ongoing struggle between her and her mother throughout the movie where her mom, you know, wants her to be more feminine, wants her to be girlier, doesn't like that she plays soccer, football, Um, but she doesn't like forbid Jules from playing it like Jess's parents do. Um, But she's just like, oh, you know, if you just like dress differently, you know, boys would like you. And Jules, meanwhile, is just like, I don't care about that. Like I'm going to wear what I want to wear. I don't feel the need to present as super, super feminine in like the clothes I wear and like my hairstyle and things like
4: that. And it seems like part of the reason uh, Jules's mom puts up with it is because Jules's dad feels so differently where Mm -hmm. like Jules's dad is very supportive of Jules playing soccer. I think partially because he really likes soccer. So he's like, oh yeah, this works out. There's a common interest. Mm -hmm. And that's It seems like part of the reason why Jules gets to continue playing in a way that Jess doesn't, because Jess doesn't really have a parental ally until the very end. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how you both felt about this, but I felt like the way that Jules' mom forced femininity and and i think kind of a very stereotypically hetero form of femininity fed right into like the way that this movie deals with like queer panic mm. because jules's mom it comes up with her i feel like a lo- almost more so than any other character and it comes up with a lot of people yeah, yeah. there's a moment at the climax of the movie where Jules' mom gets so upset thinking that Jess and Jules are queer and they're together that she crashes a wedding, mm-hmm. which is like, that's bananas. There's the moment where she hears uh, Jess and Jules arguing, and the way this scene is presented, I'm like, uh, is they're actually arguing about a boy, mm-hmm. so it's okay. And I like don't love how that's presented, but they're actually arguing over joe but there's a lot of like mishearing mishaps in this movie and jules's mm-hmm. mom thinks they're arguing about their relationship she goes downstairs and bursts into tears yeah uh and it's like freaking out uh with jules's dad that scene i thought was a little bit better the climactic wedding crasher queer panic scene seemed a little bit out of nowhere because Jules' mom, in kind of like two-thirds through the movie, is like, actually, I like soccer, and I want to understand it, and I respect your choices. But then freaks out again. But Right. So that was a little weird. But, mm-hmm. but the first time she significantly panics, thinking that Jules is queer, um, she at least contextualizes it and explains part of the reason why she's so nervous. And she cites George Michael And how George Michael was treated in the media for being gay, and she worries that, and it's a silly example, but the way she explains it does make sense in, like, panicked mom logic of, like, I've seen someone who I like, George Michael, be abused in the media for being gay, and what if that happens to my kid? Mm -hmm. And that sort of... When she said it that way, I was like, okay, that is like a really good move by this movie to contextualize the panic a little bit. She's still wrong, but right. at least we understand a little bit better why. Why?
5: I also got the sense, though, that that was only part of her reasoning for being so upset by
4: it. And Which we that... learn later when she yells, Get your lesbian feet out of my shoes. <laughs> right.
5: <laughs> like, there's still certainly some, like, homophobia there, and it might not be the worst yeah. case we've ever seen, but, like, she, regardless, she is very upset by her thinking that she might have a daughter who is a lesbian.
4: Yeah, she's, and I think she would be upset about that you know today like even if you know like society gay people totally... accepted
3: it yeah she still has her own hang-ups
4: cause... because get your lesbian feet out of my shoes yeah. <laughs> like you're like okay so well, this,
3: she's so you,
5: also yeah. she's problematic in other ways because she does a few microaggressions toward jess where like whenever yeah. she first meets jess when they're in like jules's room She learns her name and she's like, oh, Jess, is that Indian? Basically saying, like, that doesn't sound like an Indian name. Like, what? What? I don't understand. And then she says something like, I hope you teach my daughter a bit about your culture, uh, you know, to respect your elders. And then she says, oh, you're a lucky girl because I expect that your parents are fixing you up with a handsome young doctor soon, aren't they? So just like taking stereotypes that she knows about Indian culture and just assuming that they apply to Jess. And this is an example of a time where like Jess doesn't challenge it, but it makes perfect sense. Why? Like you don't want to like your friend whose mom you just met, you're not going to like necessarily stand up and be like, um, actually here's all the things that are problematic about everything you just said. So that like tracked for me, but it, it just like, I mean, this is all to say that I think all the characters in this movie are like characterized very well. They feel like real people thought and time was put into developing them. So even though like Jules's mom is problematic in many ways, the movie handles it in such a way where we the audience realize what she's saying is problematic. Where in a lot of movies that care and time isn't bothered with at all. So, I mean, there are people like her, like like Jules' mom, like we've met them. But yeah, it's just, I, I found it interesting that each of these characters, problematic though they may be, are still developed in such a way by the, like the writers that they're used to like demonstrate the biases and the microaggressions and stuff like that a character or a person like Jess would experience. So I thought that was all handled very well. Let's take a quick break. I have to go score some more goals, and then we'll be right back.
0: Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they?
1: I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful
2: Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: I wanted to talk a little bit about the, I mean, I don't have that much to say because I'm not super critical of it, but I'm just saying that the team dynamic um, inside of the, the team that uh, Joe coaches, that Chess and Jules are a part of, is like a really positive community, they're Mm. all generally very supportive of each other. They'll like dig at each other sometimes, but it's in a very friendly way. Most of the time there's a scene that I really liked where Mel, the captain of the team, Jules and a few other teammates ask Jess questions about her culture because they just don't know. Like they don't Mm. understand why is she not allowed to play soccer. Why like like what are the culture's rules around dating? Like they just don't know. Mm -hmm. So they ask in a way that I thought, and I mean, I'm not totally, but it, it seemed like like a very respectful conversation. They asked respectfully, she answered, and they're like, oh, okay, we know. And I was mm-hmm. like,
5: that's great. <laughs> that seems like how that should go. Right, especially when you con- contrast that with how Jules's mom approaches those same sort of topics where she's like making assumptions and then being like, well, this is how it must be for you. Yeah. So I already know everything and I don't need to ask questions because <laughs> I got this. And it's just like, yeah, so I think, I, I agree that I think those were handled better and i yeah i enjoyed that scene Mm -hmm. i also like the scene where um she has to get back to her wedding the like her sister's wedding at the end so her teammates are helping her put on like the sari oh yeah (laughs) that was i still
3: i don't know how to wear one of those things (laughs) (laughs) but
4: everyone on the team did so funny i
3: was like i didn't even think of that my mom has to put it on me (laughs) (laughs) that's sweet though that's nice It feels weird as an adult to have your mom come behind you because she has to put it on like she's putting it on. That's how she knows. Like you know how some people have to tie tie. Yeah. So it's just a very like uh, like but pottery scene from Ghost where my mom was just wrapping her arms around me and like folding a sari into me. I was like, this is uncomfortable. (laughs) I don't want this. That's great. Oh,
4: that's a beautiful image. (laughs) Just ghosting with your own mom. (laughs) With the same song playing in the background the whole bit. Um... Fully unchained
5: melody. (laughs) Another thing I wanted to talk about is, this is a movie about women's sports. A, w- a woman in sports. Goal. Goals. Goals. <laughs> Kicking and... penalties. <laughs> this is to say that there are not that many movies about female athletes, women playing sports. A few examples include, aside from Bend It like Beckham, uh, A League of Their Own, Stick It, Bring It On,
4: Whip It. A lot of them have it in the name. <laughs> <laughs> because you get it. Well, I guess if you replace it with her that would be bad no. yeah that would be bad never mind um <laughs> iris my, it, it my being comment. the sport or
5: the the uh, ball I, the ball K- right.
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, got to kick it up is another one uh, and then the we've ball. got like yeah uh, blue crush million dollar baby girl fight love and basketball she's the man i tanya And then a few lesser known ones that I found out via a very thorough Google search, (laughs) like uh, Gracie, Personal Best, Ice Princess, The Cutting Edge.
4: Ice Princess rules. What are you don't (laughs) Lesser
5: known. Well, if these are like Disney Channel originals, which I feel like some of these are, I don't know what they are. Mm -hmm. Um, Double Team is another one. It's a great one. So this is like Mm -hmm. roughly 20 movies throughout the course of history that are well known enough that they show up in a Google search. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Versus like 8,000 movies about men playing sports. So, I mean, we see this all the time Mm -hmm. where... Like, biopics, 90% of them are about men. Much fewer are about women. Yeah. Um, you know, movies about the military, almost all of them feature male characters. None of
4: them are about women in the military. So it's like... And that's a media issue where I feel like that the counter-argument that I can hear my cousin saying is like, well, people don't watch women's sports as much. But that is like uh,
3: a yeah, snake eating it's, eating its own n- tail. not a right. game. It's a movie. I'm mm-hmm. not... Bend It Like Beckham wasn't just, like, a filmed soccer match. (laughs) Right.
4: (laughs) And it's like if young women don't see female athletes depicted on screen in the, like, celebratory way that it is in Bend It Like Beckham, when they're younger, then they're probably less likely to want to play that sport like that's a proven thing over and over why do so many little girls want to be princesses because that's what they see Mm -hmm. and so it's like if they see other stuff then of course you know the the cultural landscape will gradually shift and so maybe i wouldn't hate Sports ball so much. <laughs> if there were movies of women d-
3: doing it more well, I never know. I too would have liked hoop goals more if I had been I,
4: w- <laughs> I would have been slamming hoop goals. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been kicking the basketball. Got, gotta kick it up. <laughs> gotta kick that basketball up <laughs> into the air
5: <laughs> for crying out loud. Also, a lot of the movies that I named are about sports that I would say are at least perceived to be more feminine because it's either dancing, figure skating, gymnastics. A couple the of them are female like female dominated sports. Right. A yeah. couple of them are like league of their own is baseball. A couple of them are about boxing. Some of them are about basketball. But yeah, I feel like if you're going to have a mainstream movie about women doing a sport, that is commercially successful chances are it's like cheerleading or like figure skating or something that we as a society already are okay with women doing i think the ones like Bendit like beckham or a league of their own are more outliers like even though they were you know they're popular movies they hold up but they're not the rule so i don't know yeah i think i, I tend to not like sports movies very much especially like I Nothing will ever make me enjoy a boxing movie except I didn't really enjoy Girl Fight.
3: I I, I like sports and yeah. movies. And show, maybe it's because I grew up watching it. Sure. But um, mm. honestly, I was thinking about it. Have there been more movies about dogs in sports because of all of the Airbud sequels? Women in sports. Oh my I God. I
5: bet there are more Airbud Bud movies than there are <laughs> movies featuring female athletes.
4: I've for sure seen a movie about a monkey playing hockey called. <laughs> Called MVP, Most Valuable Primate. <laughs> More than yes. I've seen movies about women playing sports. That and said, highly recommend. That primates
3: <laughs> are going to grow up to play hockey because they got yeah. exposed to it. I mean, and that's why there's right. so many
4: professional monkey hockey players right now. Because media is influential. <laughs> I keep saying it. It is a 2000 feature film that sparked the MVP <laughs> franchise. The film's title character, Jack, is a chimpanzee. <laughs> what else does he play in future movies? Oh my God. Okay. Uh, okay. MVP 2. Is skateboarding most vertical primate? (laughs) What (laughs) and then the last one is X Games themed most extreme prime? That's so that's MXP, it's kind of a different. Oh, I see, but it's the third one we already know it's a proven product. (laughs) The shark with that one, okay. Well, now, oh, and it is a part, an extension of the Airbud franchise. That makes sense.
5: Well, thank goodness for you know, (sighs) animals and sports and all the representation that they get. (laughs) True. Um. I wanted to talk about the love triangle. Yeah. I would argue that it kind of has no place in this movie. I don't like that it's there. I get why it's there. It's it's a way to heighten the tension of the story and to introduce more conflict. But to me, it just kind of cheapens the whole narrative because... So it's Joe is their coach. They both develop an interest in him, which to me makes sense. You know, he's cute he's respectful of them he like if you watch million dollar baby clint eastwood is over here being like i don't teach girls because i don't think they're people and i feel like a similar (laughs) thing happens in girl fight where like male sporty mentors are like reluctant to teach girls how to sport but in this movie he's just like yep this is my job and i'm fine with it and i'm respectful of all the women on this team so that was nice to see so at least it tracks why they would be interested in him because he's, you know, nice to them and he's respectful of them. But they both have a crush on him and it drives a wedge between their friendship, which is like has just become such a lazy writing move.
4: Yeah, it it, it just I, and it's not even like the Joe character that I had a particular issue with. I thought it was like in some ways positive to see. A man fully comfortable with and acknowledging the skills of a woman is equal to his own. like I think that there was like that's a generally good thing to see, especially in a sports movie, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. but, I don't know. Like there all the scenes between Jess and Jules. They just felt like a little weird. Of like, I don't, think, I don't know if they're like that whole, Kieran Knightley bursting onto a balcony and going, "You bitch, you bitch!" Like, oh <laughs> man, <laughs> And also, I'm like, would Jess have, kissed her coach at a club? I mean, maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just felt, it did feel like a little cheap. And with the wide array of things like issues this movie addresses, there's also more. I think interesting from a story point. More interesting things for them to have been in conflict about.
3: I don't. Than a I. Man. I kind of liked it just because I've seen that happen with mm. my friends. Sure. Mm. A couple of times, like two good girlfriends in college, like got into the like almost the exact parallel situation, and just like, this is going to sound, however, it's going to sound, but like when you're not what's represented as a standard of beauty I would say mm-hmm. uh, and you don't know how to like I didn't know how to make my body attractive you know especially like sure previously having been overweight and then like if you're Indian you've got all this hair coming in and you don't know how to get rid of it because your mom's <laughs> like who's seeing you anyway and I'm like everyone mom everyone <laughs> in a goddamn locker room help me <laughs> <Just> <laughs> such a nightmare <laughs> and like being super self-conscious about my body and then like this weird thing at the end where it's like the coach picks the brown girl like mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. it like blew my mind I was like, yeah, get it, bitch. Like, I just... That's (laughs) I I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Well,
5: I did appreciate that. I liked that, you know, you see, like, an interracial romantic relationship represented in a positive way. It shouldn't be groundbreaking for film, but it kind (laughs) of was. But I guess what I didn't like is that the fact that these two women are in conflict with each other over a man. Yeah. That's the part of it that kind of bugged me. And But again, I mean, it's those things do play out in real life all the time where yeah. so it's not unheard of or it's not even that it's unrealistic but I think it was just an easy choice where like Jamie what you said with all the other things that this movie explores in terms of like you know, just being one of the few women of color on this team of mostly white girls—you know—the pressure of her family. There's
4: like sources of conflict Jules's coming at her mom from is every like direction. Towards Jess a bunch yeah. of times, and Jules never really says anything. Right, like, like,
3: how that triangle was shoehorned in, though, is a bit odd.
5: Yeah, but, yeah. I don't know if it was like a studio note to like, we need more drama or something <laughs> like that. But um, yeah, I just feel that it was a little unnecessary. Yeah. I think that there was enough sources of tension and conflict in the movie already that yeah. that didn't
4: need to be there. Um, Limitless, but, yeah. So, I don't know. Um, really quick on the Pinky character, because I like the relationship that Dress has with her sister, too, that felt like... For them, I mean pinky I feel like is um uh, that's Jess's older sister who's getting married I feel like she's like a little more cartoony than most of the characters we came across in this movie mm-hmm. where like she's she's a very big personality but like at the same time and it she reminds me of my cousin a lot where she's like this big personality and like doesn't have a filter but also is kind of traditional in the way she's like choosing to go about her life where she is getting married to someone her parents approve of. She loves him. It's mm-hmm. what she wants to do. This is the life she wants. And then she's also, like, super loud and very opinionated. And there's a lot of different elements of... Her parents seem to approve of Pinky's choices more than they do of Jess's. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, but but also Pinky is, like, by far the more outgoing. And, like, Pinky and Jess are in conflict a number of times in this movie, one time when Pinky's fiancé's family thinks that Jess is gay mm-hmm. and then cancel the wedding. And then, to be fair, I mean, one of the good things I, I liked a- about Jess's family is they do, like, acknowledge that she is a generally honest person and believe her when she's like, No, that's they misunderstood. That's not what was happening. And they're like, Okay, well... You're honest, and they fucked up, and but but Pinky is so mad. Mm-hmm. But later on, that's resolved, and Pinky helps Jess sneak away and play soccer a couple different times. Yeah, she covers yeah. for her a lot.
3: Yeah, and and but it's my brother still... would have ratted me out in a goddamn heartbeat. Oh. <laughs> really? Yeah. But did he know you were doing comedy no. stuff? No. <laughs> uh, man, who knew? <laughs> my best friend in high school, and then a couple of you know. Culture friends in high school. Okay. Yeah.
4: So, but like no one inside the family. Oh, no. Wow. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, so I guess Pinky's not as much of a, a narc as your brother would have been. Because <laughs> <laughs> Pinky, I mean, but but she is kind of selectively, She she's like the kind of character that as long as like what Jess is doing is not in conflict with what she wants she'll go along with it yeah but if something it, like if jess's soccer got in the way of her wedding which it does Pinky's like no you're coming to my wedding like what are yeah. you talking about mm-hmm. and the whole third act of the movie is like or like the very end where jess goes to the wedding then the soccer game then the wedding again is done i forgot exactly how that like sequence plays out but it's Jess basically decides, no, I'm gonna, I'm going with like the duty I feel toward to my family. I'm going to the wedding,
2: mm-hmm. and her
4: dad is pushing for that because there's like that whole phone scene where Jess is like, "This is the day of my game," and he's like, "Shh, you yeah, know, you're going to the wedding." <laughs> And then Tony is the one who's like, "You have to go in soccer and blah blah blah, <laughs> and Jess' is like, "I can't and then Jess's dad comes in and he's like, "What's going on?" and Tony's like, soccer and <laughs> and then Jess's dad is the one guess, who's yeah. like soccer right, <laughs> you know yeah. and and so her dad is the one. Who's hiding that Jess is gone from both her sister and her mother until Jess gets back? There is an element of, and it did again is like this movie does so well generally that it's like not the biggest deal. But if we're getting like nitpicky, Mm -hmm. both Jess's dad and Jules's dad end up for their respective storylines being the good guy of the family, Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of a trope I feel like comes up. I can't think of it. But, like, there is, you know, like, the mothers of both of those families are the stricter ones. They're they're harder on their daughters. They're more critical of them. Mm -hmm. The dads are critical and will back the moms up, but are usually the ones who go behind the scenes and are, like but it's okay, I'm the nice one. Yeah. Right. And that happens with, I mean, Jules' dead. I don't think at any point, is made to seem strict in any way. He's just like soccer rules. Yeah. Um, yeah.
5: In fact, he says something like, um, you know, if our daughter is more interested in playing football than chasing boys um over the moon about that which right. you know is we, we can unpack that where it's like well what if she did want to chase boys and you know explore her sexuality what's wrong with that dad but <laughs> yeah. um
4: right. but like his character is like i mean he's barely a character at least just as dad we get some context yeah at the end why he
3: feels how he feels yeah right because he was really cool. a was it
5: a cricket player yeah So, yeah, I like that the story gives him a little bit more context for why he's sort of trying to protect her. Right. um, And things like that, because he also had experienced a lot of racism when he tried to play cricket. They kicked him out because he was brown. Yeah, I I noticed that, too, about the, the parents that both of the mothers were way less chill. Just like were trying to either like suppress their daughters in some way where they like you can't play soccer or trying to like force an idea of femininity onto them. I feel like they were extra upset when because both families at one point or another think that their daughter is queer with the other character. Mm. Um, And yeah, the way like Jules mom handles it, there's like she crashes the wedding, like you said, like screams about shoes. And then there's that scene um, after that in the car where she's like you know you're a lesbian and (laughs) she's like uh just because i wear khakis and play sport doesn't make me a
4: lesbian but like also uh jules's tone during that scene is a little problematic 2002 yeah the way that scene plays out yeah because then she says like there's like a pause and once jules's mom realizes and this happens with both families once they realize that their daughters aren't gay Mm -hmm. they're like oh gay people are fine it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I <laughs> this is
3: another story I shouldn't tell. I'm going to make it real quick. I was in uh, high school and, like, there was this girl bullying my friend by, like, spreading rumors about her being a lesbian. Mm. So I thought it would be funny if I came on to her because she was homophobic. So mm. I did that. And then it turns out it wasn't just her that was homophobic. It was a whole bunch of people that were homophobic. No. And so I accidentally got myself semi-gay bash when I was walking down the hallway. And I was like, I'm not actually gay. Oh, that is such a high school. thing. Shitty.
4: Yeah, that, that is such <laughs> a high school thing to happen too of like, I know what I'll do. And then it's like, no, everyone's hateful. Everyone hates everybody here. This is a help it. I was like, oh no. God, that's the words. <laughs> the way that scene with Jess and her mom, at the end it is kind of like played for laughs where um or no, sorry, Jules and her mom, not Jess it's too mm-hmm. many J names. Uh but, you know, Jules says, besides, being a lesbian, it's not that big a deal. And then her mom is, you know, goes full hypocrite when she realizes her daughter is straight, thank God. is uh, She's like, oh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Ugh. Uh, and they're all like, tee-hee-hee-hee, yeah. we're straight. <laughs> and then they just like... But then, oh, so the the last thing I wanted to talk about was, so the way they deal with female queerness, this movie comes out in the weird place uh-huh. it's not totally bad, but it's weird, sure. it's not fully accepted, but we also have Tony mm-hmm. who is a queer male character yes, who i I forgot about his storyline, but it is I feel like it is fully realized within the movie. there's just so mm-hmm. much going on, but yeah. Tony is the one boy on the soccer team that Jess plays on at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, who is not horrible to her, right? And is nice to her, and they get along, and everyone thinks he has a crush on her, but it turns out he just respects her, <laughs> right? The twist is, he's gay and he respects her. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, I liked that scene where he, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Jess, Jess is being like. You know where she's coming from, and she's, like, kind of grasping at straws and just, like, wants to stop disappointing her family. And she's like, so do you like me? We should we should just, what, we should just get married? Yeah. And yeah. in a way that if Tony were interested in her, would probably have been very hurtful of, like, well, I've decided to settle. Here I am. <laughs> I've right. done it. But then Tony is like, no, I just respect you also. Yeah. I'm gay that's scene. i mean jess is like oh that's you know she's fine with it mm-hmm. then there but she's it? the only character as
5: far as we know who knows about him being gay he's the only person that he comes out to so i think that if yeah. more people like in jess's community knew about it i feel like the movie might have handled it similarly to how like female that's queerness a is perceived so i think in general yeah i mean it's this is like characters in 2002 responding to queerness in the way that a lot of people in 2002 would have responded to that but yeah it's i think it's interesting and positive that jess is still very respectful of him and you know he comes out to her and she's just like great it doesn't change their friendship at all or anything like that like yeah i thought that all was handled very well
4: yeah. And then there's that the last minute scene with him where he says because he is so supportive of Jess's soccer career and doesn't think that her parents will ever support it and so he's like, I'll marry her you know, in mm-hmm, the last he's mm-hmm. like, I'll marry her and I was so nervous because two thousand two I was so nervous that she was going to out him. Same, same. I was like, felt. Yeah. So I was like, oh my god. I feel like in 2002, people wouldn't have thought of mu- as much of that, but she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She just says nice try, Tony. like, I I need to be, tell the truth, and then she tells the truth about herself. I was just, there was a moment where I was like, oh my god, if she <laughs> adds him I'll be so sad. Same. But she doesn't. Yeah. Another, another win. Right. Another win
5: for the movie. <laughs> another character doing a, a just basic decency. Basic uh, respect. Basic wins decency the day. on camera. Yeah, right. Right.
4: Yes. exactly. <laughs>
5: his character also it, like the big tournament at the end all of the guys that she was, had been playing with in the park show up to that game to watch most of them are like you know very toxic masculinity bros and they're like oh women playing soccer their boobs and oh how do they even do it and they're like just like really over sexualizing and objectifying all the players on the team and uh Tony says something like, can't you just see them as footballers? Like, again, feminist icon, queer icon. Um, But... An earlier scene shows a bunch of Pinky's friends watching the men play soccer in the park and them similarly objectifying them and like, oh, look at his like six pack. And yeah, I want to wank him off. And then
4: Jess calls them a bunch of sluts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which, sorry, I
2: did laugh
5: at. Yeah, she does slut shame her sister's friends, which...
3: You know, it's not the best thing that's ever happened. It's not the, the worst thing that's ever happened. It feels happened. so bad when you think someone's like on your level of creep. Like there was a hot bartender at the bottom of this theater and I turned to another girl and I was like, That dude is so smoking hot. And I would totally fuck him and then she was just like, Oh and I was like, Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> I was
4: like, oh no <laughs> That is literally every time I'm like, I have a crush on someone and then Caitlin's like, Show me a picture and then I do and then she's like okay i was like <laughs> i need to die now I'm gonna... i didn't know really just run into traffic and get hit by a car i'm sorry i've gotten so many tepid okays from you when i hit you with the visual it's so it's so unchill. we'll post oh it on our gosh. instagram <laughs> no i don't show. i'm never gonna show you anyone I'm ever kidding. again okay. ever Well, I,
5: (laughs) you know what, we all taste is subjective and you can (laughs) like whoever you want. Mine's Um, kind of bad. I'll say (laughs) it.
4: (laughs) Mine's weird. It's all over the place.
5: Uh, Does anyone have any other thoughts about the movie? Bend it like Beckham. Interesting that a a movie uh, about women playing sports uh, does have a title where a man's name is in the title.
4: oh oh, yeah (laughs) is that really him at the end like cameo
3: yeah i think so right is it i I feel
5: like they get like archived footage or something Uh, i don't know (laughs) it's a hologram um (laughs) i do want to say that there is a clip of mia ham playing soccer in the movie and the clip of mia ham playing
4: soccer yeah
5: Uh, she and i share the same birthday may 17th um so we are (laughs) sisters Twins. We're twin (laughs) sisters. My birthday
4: twin is Patrick Swayze. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
5: I guess overall, like, I, I like this movie a whole lot, just on a base level of it being, like, a fun, entertaining movie, and then also, you know, watching it through the Bechtel cast lens. I really enjoy that it explores a lot of different things that we tend to talk about movies not paying any attention to. So the fact that this movie addresses, like, The concept of femininity and different things about sexuality, different things about racism and all kinds of things that most movies just completely gloss over or don't pay any attention to or don't care about addressing. I really like all of that and I like that it's effectively about a woman who is kind of, she's got a struggle where she wants to pay respect to her family and honor them and their wishes but also has the agency to like do her own thing and to she wants to pursue her own goals and make her own choices goals and i get go- it oh, <laughs> I- but yeah it's just i think it's a great movie where you know women are driving the narrative um women are challenging different things women have agency women are kicking ass and kicking balls
4: So, yeah, I don't know. And then, um, really quick, does this movie pass the Bechdel test? One, two, three. Yes! Yes. We don't even need to get into citing specific scenes Mm -hmm. because it's basically, if there are two women talking in the movie, almost every significant female pairing in this movie... It passes, yeah. One point, and and usually, especially between Jess and Jules, passes significantly because they yeah. talk about so they they won't stop talking about soccer. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jess and her sister
5: Pinky, Jess and her mom, um, Jules and her mom, Jules, yeah. Jess and Jules' mom, every possible combos. It's great. Yep, it's great. I'm always on the lookout for movies that pass all four of the following tests the Bechtel test, the Duvernay test, the Vito Russo test, and the Makomori test. This movie. Passes all four. Wow! Yeah, that's wonderful. Because you've got um, a yeah, woman of color. Yeah, take us through the color. test really quick. So, uh, Bechdel test we've already discussed. Yes. Um, the Duvernay test requires that characters who are people of color have fully realized lives, rather than serve as scenery for white stories. So uh, this movie passes that test with flying colors. The Makomori test requires that there's at least one prominent female character who has her own narrative arc. Which is not about supporting a man's story passes that test with flying colors. The Vito Russo test, the movie passes if uh, it contains a character that is identifiably LGBTQ. So we've got that mm-hmm. in Tony. Character is not solely or predominantly defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity, mm-hmm. which I would say is true for Tony too. For sure. And this is where it gets a little tricky. The character must be tied. Into the plot in such a way that their
3: removal would have a significant effect.
4: I think so. Because for Tony, yeah, he yeah. argues for her. And That's the, like, true. Yeah,
3: yeah. He's the one that like makes her at the end of the wedding. He's pivotal to that. True. Yeah. yeah. yeah he encourages her? Together. And
5: then right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it passes all four yeah. tests. Hurrah! Best movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, with that, let's rate it on our nipple scale. Well, we <laughs> we rate the movie based on its portrayal of women zero to five nipples. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna give this like a a four and a half that's I what think that's good idea, yeah. I think certain characters and how they handle the topic of queerness specifically Jules and Jules' mom I think, could be handled a little bit better. And I think if, if this movie was rewritten today, those problems would be solved because this is an extremely progressive movie.
4: And there's also a few, I, I feel like I should have said earlier, there are a few um, queer slurs that go unchallenged in the movie, mm-hmm. where I, the racial slurs are challenged, mm-hmm. the queer slurs are not mm-hmm. Yes. And then also
5: like a half nipple off for the fact that the movie has this love triangle that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it just kind of cheapens it a little bit. But overall, it's really cool to see a movie about a woman of color. We get all the context of her family. Great movie, great characters. Female characters are very well written and well developed. We so rarely see this, the fact that it's written and directed by an Indian woman is amazing. I'm so glad that this movie exists, and if you haven't seen it, check it out ASAP. So, uh, four and a half nipples. I'm going to give two to Jess, one to Jules, one to Pinky, and a half nipple to Tony.
4: Cool. I'm. I'll go with four and a half as well. Let me. Let me see if I can do this in sports terms. Okay. I'd say this soccer ball. female queerness, Uh but really dunks in every other regard. Wow. Uh huh. Uh, Time out. (laughs) I like this movie. The only penalty would be what I already said was a fumble. In conclusion, in okay, and now I'm canceling. Oh, we're uh, we're in overtime now. And uh, overtime fifth quarter (laughs) i would say that in all seriousness when i when i saw this movie when i was a teenager demonstrates the importance of portraying every culture possible in film and in mainstream film because i know i for sure uh didn't grow up around many Indian people at all, and I learned stuff from this movie, Mm -hmm. and I learned, I mean, it was like, this was my first exposure to a culture I wasn't familiar with, and it's done so responsibly and respectfully that, I think if more cultures were portrayed in this way in film, the world would just be a better place. Yeah, I really like this movie, and I'm happy that we we can keep watching it and feeling happy about watching it without feeling guilty about watching it. Yeah. So four and a half nipples, uh, giving two to Jess. I'll give one to Jules. I'll give one to Pinky, and then
3: I'll give one. I'll give my last half one to Jess's mom because I like her a lot. Yeah. I would say well I'm gonna be biased, so I'm gonna give four point eight nipples. Okay. Yeah. Love it. (laughs) I'm gonna give it a handicap for the time period, just because this is the first movie where I got to see someone represent what it feels like my story on Mm -hmm, screen. And mm -hmm, it like mm -hmm. it was everything to me, you know? Like it was just the coolest movie and I loved it, like top to bottom, you know? Yeah.
4: I also (laughs) wanna see your exact story on screen because it sounds <laughs> right. it's like that would be such a fun movie to watch. Oh, who,
3: who are you giving your nips to? Um, I'll give uh, two to Jess, one to her mom, one to uh, Kieran Knightley. How much does that leave me? So two, and then I have point, you have eight. point eight left. I have point eight left. Of us. <laughs> um, I'll give point eight to Tony. You know, because yeah. he was like a great character who like. Feminist icon, queer icon, mm-hmm. killing it. He's
4: killing <laughs> it. Give us a Tony spinoff series. <laughs> where is it? Yeah, where is it? Well, Supa, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Yay! Yeah.
5: Where you. can people find you online? Do you have anything you'd like to plug?
4: Uh,
3: you sure? They can find me on Twitter at @subah, S-U-B-H-A-H. and my Instagram. I'm sorry, is that subha? It's s u b h a h a. You had it. to do it to me. <laughs> <You had to. laughs> I had. To <laughs> was a choice that i refused to take back oh. <laughs> and um saturday at 7 p.m um, there's a show at the hollywood improv it's the writers of the jim jeffrey show so you should come to that oh awesome
5: cool. very nice great you can follow the Bechtelcast on twitter instagram facebook you can uh, go to our website BechtelCast.com. you can rate and review us on itunes Please. give us five nips Give us a goal. Score a bunch of goals on us or for us. I don't know.
4: Or dunk on us. Dunk. Please don't dunk on us. (laughs)
5: We're trying so hard. (laughs) Basically, give us five stars is what we're saying. And um, you can subscribe to our Matreon. It is $5 a month and you get two bonus episodes every single month. This month, uh, we have
4: Incredibles 2 coming out soon. Yes. So enjoy that. Yes, please do. And uh, otherwise...
1: Anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.